yo, yo, what up? It's your boy Kobe Mac, and this <laughs> is the Kobe Toby podcast. Yeah, whatever I want to deep dive with the Mac himself, where I get to amplify my movie reviews for your listening pleasure, even when I'm sick. And it's brought to you by the 4th District Podcast Network. Would you please consider giving your boy a follow? I'm on all the socials at Kobe Told Me on Twitter and Instagram and Kobe Mac on Facebook. Welcome, welcome, welcome back. This is episode 26, the sick edition. <laughs> I got another epic week in the books, a week that's been kicking my ass. If you can tell by the sound of my voice, I don't know what happened. What asshole came into my job? It got everybody sick, but it hit me like a ton of bricks. And yeah, um, I'll tell you this. I don't get sick often, but when I do, I turn into a little bitch, number one. Number two, I am really tough to deal with. Shout out to the Mrs. Mac for doing everything she can to tolerate my sick ass. But the good thing is it takes you about two, three days to get it right. And I'm in like my last day and um, I need to get better because I really do plan on seeing Joker tonight as so does the rest of the world. Everybody seems to be really excited about Joker this weekend. I'm looking at showtimes and screenings and my local theater, yeah, I mean, it has, they have like 20 screenings, it's crazy. But I'm excited to see it. I'm excited for all the talk to go away. I just want this movie to be this movie and then if there's something to dig into about the social commentary or whatever, we could get into that. But I am ready to make up my own mind as I hope everybody else is. And I want to be able to add to my uh, to my calendar. You know, the 2019 movie count currently stands at 102 movies at the theater as of October the 1st. And of course, I got a bunch of more to go. I'm going to see Joker tonight. I'm really trying to find a bunch more new releases, but it's getting really hard. I think every studio is focused on Joker. My bet is a $100 million opening this weekend. I know that's pretty bold. I think studio estimates have it like somewhere between 75 and 80 million. I'm saying $100 million for this movie. And um, I think I, I think I'm, I think I got a good chance to be able to, um, to grab at it, but I'm trying to catch some other stuff too, but it is just getting really difficult to find. Um, you would think that here in Atlanta, this should be like a hub for, I mean, it's a hub to shoot everything. It should be a hub to be able to see everything, but it's not. Um, I know Lucy in the Sky is opening up very small. Dolomite is my name is opening up very small. Um, but yeah, but I mean, kind of getting into what everybody has been watching, you know, like kind of dig into the box office this past weekend. You got a kid's movie. Finally, it's been a little while. I took the mini Mac to go check out Abominable. She loved it. She gave it a perfect score. I'll get to my score in a little bit, but Abominable takes the number one spot. Another good job for Universal having another number one debut for a film that doesn't belong to an existing franchise, bringing in $20.6 million. At the number two spot, you got Downton Abbey at $14.3 million. Hustlers at number three with $11 million. Number four is It Chapter 2 with $10.2 million. Ad Astra, drop it to the five spot with $10.014 million. You got Rambo Last Blood, for some reason, still making money with $8.5 million. Number seven is Judy with $2.9 million. I'll get to that review in a little bit as well. We got Good Boys hanging in the top 10 with the number 8 spot at $2.06 million. The Lion King at number 9 with 1.6. Angels falling at 1.5 million at the number nine at the number 10 spot. Yeah, interesting top 10. A little bit less in regards to total box office gross from the week before, but I think everybody is, like I said, is getting really revved up for Joker. Um, did y'all catch this uh, Joaquin Phoenix, uh, Joker, Jimmy Kimmel interview? So you know, in between times when I wasn't knocked out and recuperating, sweat like a pig or whatever, 
like I was you know, checking out some clips on YouTube and stuff like that. And I came across this video that's kind of going viral. This uh, behind the scenes, uh, I guess outtake is what they labeled it, of uh, Joaquin Phoenix in character as a Joker, just straight up like going on a tirade uh, on some uh, crewmen. And it's a debate. One, I don't know if it's real or not. Some people have said it's a fake video. Some people say it's real. All I know, it's pretty tacky. With everything that's going on about this film, the last thing that you need is to even add more BS on top of it all. And I'll say this, as a working actor, I dare a director to do something like that and release that footage. Because when I am, when I'm working, and that's exactly what Joaquin Phoenix was doing, he was working. And to misuse that performance in any way outside of what it's intended purpose for, it's a betrayal of trust. Um, so I hope that Todd Phillips would have better taste. I hope the WB would have better taste uh, to be really weary of, you know, that footage. And um, if you get a chance, you can watch. It's like, a, it's like an 11 minute clip on Jimmy Kimmel. Um, the interview itself was awkward. Joaquin Phoenix is is an awkward guy, and he's hard to figure out. And I will say, he he's a tough cookie to crack. But you could see that he was generally not with the interview. And like you can even hear, but he's such a good actor, you just don't know. Like you really don't know if this is like really really bothering him or if he's just like it's it's tough. It's tough. But I just really cannot wait to watch this movie. This was my number three most anticipated film of the year. And I gotta say, it has not been a good <laughs> a good year in regards to what I was most anticipated for. It was Us, It Chapter 2, and Joker. Those are my number three. Those are my top three films most anticipated. And Us, while I enjoyed it, didn't live up to my expectations. It Chapter 2, while I enjoyed it, didn't live up to my expectations. So I'm holding out all hope for Joker to really do its thing. Really, really, really do its thing. Um, gosh, I'm excited for this movie. I'm watching it in Dolby. Hashtag Kobe does Dolby. A little bit later this evening. I really hope that I'm, I'm 100% and can be able to get into it. I have been able to get into a lot of other stuff in between being sick and work and stuff like that. I got a chance to watch, obviously, Lucy. Uh, not Lucy, damn it. Judy. Why did I say Lucy? Because I want to watch Lucy in the Sky. I got a chance to watch Judy, the Renee Zellweger film uh, last week. And um, Abominable, of course. I took the family out Saturday morning to be able to see. I also caught for the first time The Shining. And it was the first time that one I ever watched the movie. I'm glad that I got a chance to be able to watch it in 4K restoration at my local AMC. So having the first time to watch this movie in the theaters was really special to me. Um, and it's also my first Stanley Kubrick film that I ever watched. Um, so it's interesting. I'm going to sit on that review for a little bit as there's another platform that I want to be able to kind of get my full thoughts out on, but you can be able to listen to a little bit of it and catch me talking about it on the Minority Sport Podcast a little bit later this week. Um, some new TV that I've been watching. Four Weddings and a Funeral. It was a, a Hulu series based on a movie that I think is pretty popular, which is based on a play that I think is pretty popular, and it's starring um, Natalie Emanuel from Game of Thrones. It is good. It's definitely cheesy. So it's got to be like your brand of romantic comedy in a series um, for you to really enjoy it. Um, I think I'm like five episodes in out of like the eight episode series that it is so far. And it's it's good. It's not bad. It's definitely cheesy, but it's my kind of cheese. Um, I got a chance to watch the premiere episode of uh, Blackish, The Good Place, Mixedish, brand new spinoff series from Blackish. It's a pilot. So. When it comes to pilots, a lot of times the tone and where the series goes can be wildly different from the pilot shot. So I didn't hate the first episode, but I wasn't in love with it. So I'm really hoping that it goes someplace 
more akin to what I'm used to with Blackish and can keep, can still be able to keep up the brand of humor with the commentary all together. Um, and let me know if there's anything, because like there's a lot of stuff that with my transition between managing my my new house and my Airbnb, I've been off of my network TV premiere schedule. I usually have a whole calendar chalk full of stuff, and I am completely out of it, aside from being sick. Yo, let me know how my voice sounds, because is this? Uh, sometimes I feel like I can't hear myself, like I'm deaf in one ear. Um, but yeah, let me know if there's anything that I've missed. Like, yo, Kobe, you need to check out this. I've heard people talk about Emergence, and I've heard people talk about a couple other new, you know, network TV shows. I know this Sunday, gotta be excited, this Sunday starts Batwoman. I'm not excited for that. But I watch every single superhero TV show that is and I always give shows a fair shot. So I'll give this show an easy half season of my commitment to it just to be able to see where it goes. But one, I am not with Ruby Rose. There's a lot of things I just do not enjoy about her on screen. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't have a lot of faith in this. I think one, a movie debuting on a Sunday night is not a very strong indicator of the show's performance, but we'll see. You will absolutely see. Um, bunch of other stuff going on on Sunday nights mainly football so if you're trying to grab attention between that not yeah that's not good but yeah but yo shout out to my man Dustin you can find him on Twitter at D the critic you can follow him at D the critique is his Twitter handle uh, D-T-H-E-C-R-I-T-I-Q-U-E my boy has been crushing it with his movie review game you can find his written reviews at the criticizard that's the T-H-E-C-R-I-T-I-C-I-Z-E-R, the criticizard.weebly.com. And uh, he's putting out a podcast really soon, so be on the lookout for that. Um, always want to big up somebody who's diving into a very uh, brand new venture for him. Um, so follow him, check out his stuff. Really cool dude. He's inside of my hashtag film Twitter, Fantasy Football League as well. And then, of course, what you're here for. Obviously, this show, I'm going to make this a little bit smaller because I didn't get a really great opportunity to try to write anything out. So this is going straight off the dome and giving you really quickly a look into Judy star Renee Zellweger. Um, unfortunately, this movie is pretty much like any biopic. That's the downside of it. It charts like a very generic biopic, but it comes with a lot of heart. If you're unfamiliar with Judy Garland's story, I mean, Judy Garland, you'll know her famously from playing Dorothy Gale inside of The Wizard of Oz. And um, Judy Garland was a victim, in my opinion, of a very crooked and corrupt studio system. And um, if you take any film one-on-one classes, you understand that the studio system back in the days was... Big Brother, I mean, but to the point where they really did own you. And Judy Garland, she was tortured by her fame. Um, she pretty much had a lust for fame, as a lot of, you know, entertainers did. And it wasn't necessarily a bad thing. But ultimately, what, end, what ends up happening is that she never gets over the trauma of her studio system past. Um, so this movie does its best in song, in my opinion. And I think that Renee Zellweger, relying on her fantastic performance, um, relies on her voice. Um, there's no dubbing. Of, uh, of the actual Judy Garland's uh, musical voice inside of this at all. So it's all Renee Zellweger. And that's really where this film does its best. Um, unfortunately, she's not supported by a strong vision. I'll put it that way. A strong vision, you know, directorially. Um, I think that there was just some, some choices made in this film that just felt very straight. And with as big of a 
character Judy Garland was. I, I, I was expecting a little bit more pathos to the way that the movie was. I kind of put it like this. If you guys caught Rocket Man, which is the, uh, uh, the film of Taron Egerton, you know, based off of, yeah, <laughs> uh, that style of movie, I think would have lent itself great to this. Almost a more whimsical take. I would have I would have loved it if there was an opportunity to kind of weave in, you know, if there's a way that I mean, some people may see that this is tacky, but I think it would have been cool to kind of kind of have Judy Garland's biopic almost like if you can marry it to a whimsical tale a la The Wizard of Oz. I think I think would have been pretty cool, but there's it's all about Renee Zellweger's performance. I mean, if it wasn't for her, this film would be a non-recommendation for me because it does have her. I absolutely would recommend it. I wish there was a little bit more for some of the other supporting characters inside of the film. They just kind of come and go, and um, I think there's some talent that's wasted. Jesse Buckley, who's my front runner uh, for lead actress this year, she plays a supporting character in this film that just seems inconsequential. She's really there just to aid Judy Garland from one scene to another, and. Um, yeah, it's, 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 I really wish that there was more there for me. Um, you know, but I'll say this, I, I think that, you know, the choice to kind of have flashbacks also drive the narrative. It wasn't pulled off the most graciously, in my opinion, but ultimately, if it wasn't for Renee Zellweger bringing to life just the fading star that is Judy Garland in the twilight of her career, she's clinging desperately to the hope of reuniting with her children after a new opportunity abroad. I mean, there's something cold that goes on in the first half of the film that makes it difficult to connect with, but it's beautifully shot. Um, Renee Zellweger's performance is absolutely fantastic. She's going to get an Oscar nomination. Some people may say that she's the frontrunner to be able to win. And I, like I said, even though I have Jesse Buckley and what she did in Wild Rose ahead of that, I wouldn't be mad at all if Renee ended up winning. Uh, but I will say because of the performance, this film is an absolutely, uh, it, 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 it is something that you should be able uh, to watch. Um, and additionally, we don't get a lot of kids films and i really wish that there was more of a, a opportunity for a kids film to come like every two to three weeks um but it's been a couple of months since we got like a genuine one i think since angry birds my daughter was really excited at abominable uh, when i saw the trailers i was really excited as well it looks great it's from you know a production company we're all familiar with you know with dreamworks and i really was in love with how to train your dragon 3 um, i gave that a really high mark and abominable is pretty much a simple story that is primarily um, led by uh, Asian voice talents, which is really great for representation on film. And um, it's about Yi. She's a young, smart, rebellious teenager who is dealing with the grief of losing a parent. And this story is a very simple kind of a boy and her dog or a girl and her dog story. And it's about getting this Yeti back home. And it's a visual stunner. Like it's absolutely gorgeous. Seeing this in Dolby, like I said, Dolby's a cheat code. It makes everything look and sound absolutely amazing. And the music, I think, is really good. I mean, it's packed full of emotion the entire film. Um, I love the elements that are at play with it. The voice cast is a really strong job. The story moves really quickly, and it's a very simple, basic story. You get from here to here to here to here to here. It's not trying to do anything that's overtly complex, but it does just enough to be able to keep adults um, entertained, and it does even more to keep kids like the mini Mac, she's seven years old. She was fully engaged the entire time. And um, even though the, the narrative isn't complex, um, it still kind of hooks you. And there's laughs, there's a lot of fun energy. It's endearing characters too. And um, yeah, it's definitely a good movie. Um, so I would go ahead and uh, give the Colby Tommy rating for Abominable as a seven out of 10. I would give 
Judy and Forgive Me um, as a 6 out of 10 uh, for those two films. Uh, so look at that. You got two reviews for the price of one podcast, and I'm doing it sick for you too. Um, yeah, I need to rest my voice. So I'm going to go ahead and cut out here. I thank y'all for sticking with me. This is a little bit quicker episode. At least I think. Oh, goodness gracious. I swear if I'm sick and I'm still running on, I am sorry about that. But yo, um, I once again, I cannot express how much excited I am for Joker. And I hope you guys can be able to follow your boy on Twitter, Instagram, at Kobe Tomi, and on Facebook, at Kobe Mac, because I want to be able to game with you. I am down to talk with anybody about Joker when it comes out. Yo, I am also down, as long as I get better. You got me and my mic. If anybody is needing a guest spot on any podcast, I'm accepting all invitations. I would love to be a voice, an opinion, a counter opinion to whatever you got going on. Um, get at your boy. You can go ahead and make sure to check my DMs on Twitter at Kobe Tommy. Send me an email, Kobe Mac at KobeTomi.com. And remember, when they ask you where you heard it from, tell them Kobe told me. Peace. <laughs>